everyone, and welcome to the Balanced Purpose Podcast. My name is Ray Trevino, and I am your host. Each week, we will explore the essential elements of living a fulfilling, balanced, and meaningful life. Our podcast brings together entrepreneurs, business executives, coaches, and everyday people like you and me who have seen challenges and have overcome adversities to create success and find balance in their lives. Whether you're a young professional seeking to make an impact in your career, a parent looking to balance work and family life, or a retiree seeking to create a new purpose, our podcast is something for everyone. So join us as we delve into the world of living a balanced and purposeful life and discover how you can create a life of balance and purpose for yourself. Today's guest is the world's fittest 54-year-old, founder and CEO of Limitless AF, whose mission is inspiring the world to redefine what is possible when it comes to reversing the aging process and improving athletic performance. I'd like to welcome Adam Fiore to the show. Hey, Adam, it's a pleasure to have you with us today. Would you mind telling our listeners a little bit about yourself and maybe throwing a fun fact that many people don't know about you? Of course. First of all, thank you so much for having me. Really excited about this. Just wanted to mention one thing in the intro that you just gave me. You mentioned athletic performance. I like to call it human performance. People assume this is all about getting into great shape. It's all about the muscles. It's all about being able to, to be athletic, reverse aging and, and illness. But it's really, I call it human performance because so much of what I do is actually in the mind. I have a friend at my gym who, who says, and I love this, he says, I watch you, man. I've been watching you for years. And I'm convinced that all of the training that you do is really in your mind because you don't work real hard in the gym. He's like, I work so much harder than you in the gym. And I don't know why my results don't look like yours. And I'm convinced it's because you do the work in your mind and then there's less work that you actually have to do in the gym. So when I do coach people and work with people, I really focus a lot on mental and spiritual health and performance as well as physical. So I would say the fun fact is when I got out of the Navy, I got out of the Navy very young. I enlisted at 18. I only had to do two years of active duty. So I got out when I was 21 years old, getting ready to start college. I was in the right place at the right time. I was a singer, songwriter, and kind of hustled my way into getting my music played on a commercial hit radio here in Philadelphia, a station called Q102. Long story short, I ended up getting signed personally by Russell Simmons to a recording contract with Sony Columbia Records and was actually in a boy band. So <laughs> that's, a, that's a fact that not everybody would admit to and that not everybody <laughs> knows about me. That is super cool. Now, can we listen to any of these tracks? Are they still available on Spotify or YouTube or anything? No. You know, luckily for me, because I'm not going to say the music wasn't good. Let's just say, I don't know that it would stand the test of time. We were in that color me bad boys <laughs> to men time period, but it was the early 90s and there was no YouTube. There were no iPhones. Basically, the only way to hear the music that we were doing would be to have the reel-to-reel because -reel, we never even put it out on cassette or anything like that. So I'm uh, kind of happy about that, actually. Well, I've got to ask you one more question since we're in that time frame. Did you have a cool name like Amazing Adam in the Funky Bunch or Color Me Adam or something like that? I'm going to tell you what our name was. <laughs> uh, and it, again, kind of suits the, the time period. We were called Time for Play with the number four. So that's what we were called. Okay, producer, we're going to find that. You will never find anything. <laughs> believe me, people have tried. I will tell you this, because people usually ask me, you know, what was the highlight? You know, I was out there for a year in Manhattan, you know, working on this. And 
the highlight of the whole thing was at a record release party for an artist named Lizette Melendez and all the Columbia artists were there. So LL Cool J was there and I loved hip hop. I was a hip hop kid. So I got to do a shot of Sambuca with LL Cool J and his security guy and a couple of my friends actually who thought that was the coolest thing ever. So uh, it, it, he was really nice. He was great, man. Yeah. I bet it was. So did you have those abs back then? <laughs> no, no, no. And listen, we can get into this. We can get into this further, I should say. But one of the key things that's really cool about the whole Limitless story is I was never built like this. There's obviously, there's plenty of people who are in their 20s and 30s and maybe 40s who have the six-pack abs and are built similar to the way that I am. I think what's really unique is I worked out so hard. I spent so much time in the gym, twice as much time as I spend now in my 20s, my 30s, and I could never get that definition that I have now. You know, I just always told myself, I don't have the genetics for it, right? Mm-hmm. And then it took me being diagnosed with diabetes in my 50s, at 51, and in my 50s, this body was built. Mm. And it was built in the kitchen, not in the gym. It all comes down to what you eat and more importantly, what you don't eat. It's really what you don't eat. You know, going back to what I said at the very outset here, everybody asks me, they want to know, you know, tell me exactly what you eat. Tell me exactly how you work out. You're asking the wrong question. Mm -hmm. I could do that and it wouldn't help you at all. You should be asking me, how do you stick with the diet that you're on? How do you stick with the exercise program when life gets in the way, when you're traveling for business, when you're in Dubai and, you know, in a totally different culture, maybe you're at a business meeting where your boss is, you know, having a martini and, and you don't want to drink right now. And then, you know, it's going to set you on a path where then you're going to eat a bunch of garbage. And, you know, that's the superpower is how do you build the discipline and the willpower to always be in control of your situation, no matter whether you're home, traveling for business, Somebody unfortunately dies, there's a divorce, lose a job. Everybody can get into good shape or get in a good program, but then they lose all their results when life gets in the way. Mm -hmm. I coach people on how to be able to handle when life gets in the way and still stay on your path, right? So yeah, so to answer your question, I didn't have abs like this back then. Uh, I was in good shape, but I had to work really hard for it. I spend half the time in the gym now that I used to and the results are crazy. So what's a normal day look like for you? And I know you're a busy guy and you still find balance, mm-hmm. but what does a normal day look like? Normal day for me, I'll, I'll walk you through it. It's pretty unorthodox. <laughs> I usually get up 5.30 or 5.45. I like to be one of the first ones in the pool. So I, I work out at a place called Lifetime Fitness. It's a chain. They're really nice. And what I really like to do is roll out of bed And before I do anything, like before I look at my phone, before I turn on a TV or check email or even talk to anybody, I get right into the pool. And what I like about that is it puts me into a flow state. If you've ever studied anything about flow states and neuroscience, it's about waking up and before I let my mind kind of grab onto the phone, the news, the whatever... I just get right into the pool and I start swimming. And swimming is a very meditative place for me. So I'm usually in the pool by anywhere in between 6 and 6.30. And I swim for 30 to 40 minutes. I'm not swimming for speed. I'm not counting laps. I'm literally in this meditative space. And I start my day off with a mantra that puts me into this space of 
I'm going to be present with the wave of creation that's unfolding in front of me, moment to moment, right now. That's really important to me. And Ray, I know that you're into surfing. I'm into surfing. I use a surfing analogy. I want to surf this wave of creation that is literally unfolding in front of me right now, as I'm talking to you every moment. So that time in the pool gets me set up for that. Because obviously, when I get out of the pool, that's when I got to start checking email, having conversations, getting on the phone. You know, so that's when the minutia of life comes into play and I got to be able to handle it. But if I could start every morning with this meditative space and really connecting with this wave of creation, with the moment, whatever you want to call it, I find that it carries me throughout the whole day. So that's where I start. Then when I get out of the pool, I do my lifting. I've got it now where I spend 30 to 40 minutes lifting weights. I do one body part per day. Early this morning, it was uh, back. Yesterday was chest, and I just attacked that muscle group. And one of the misperceptions when people see me is they assume I'm doing some really crazy stuff. High-intensity, CrossFit, big, crazy box jumps, burpees, all this high-impact stuff. Couldn't be farther from the truth. I do a low-intensity, low-impact program. It's evolved over years. But what I've found is I want a program that's got the lowest risk of injury because I'm going to be 55 years old in five weeks. And at my age, injuries are what derail you. Once you get an injury and can't work out for three, four months, man, at my age, it's going to be really hard to come back from that. People are like, how can you look the way that you look? Well, it's because of the diet, right? So, but anyway, getting ahead of myself. But yeah, so lift weights and everything. And then like 15 minute stretch always at the end of every workout. That's crucial. I try to be done by like nine, nine thirty. unless I had some calls that I had to take, which happens a lot. I've worked for myself now for 15 years. One of the nice things about working for yourself, having your own business is you create your own schedule. So, you know, there's days where I don't get home from the gym until 10 or 11 o'clock. My wife's like, wow, what were you working out for like five hours? Like, no, I was on the phone. I, you know, I was literally like taking care of business from the gym. The gym is like my office. I will find a little corner, you know, in the lobby there and I'll have business calls and do whatever I got to do, send out emails. But most days I like to try to, you know, be out of that gym by like nine, nine thirty, And then I'm home and, uh, you know, getting right to work and eating, obviously, you know, I'm an intermittent faster. I don't usually eat my first meal until maybe anywhere between 1030 AM and noon. Anyway, that's just till noon, you know, pretty much from there, it's all about working, eating and interacting with my family. Like right now is great summertime. So both my daughters are here. My wife works from home. So my wife is here. So there's a lot of, you know, interaction going on as well during the workday. And I treasure it, man. I mean, you know, I love the fact that my life is so fluid. You know what I mean? There's no set routine from one day to the next. And yet I feel like I get so much done just being in the moment and just going with it. And then we finally shut it down. Although I don't know that I'd ever really fully shut it down because, you know, as an entrepreneur, something comes in that's urgent at 8 p.m., I might have to excuse myself if we're watching a movie or something and take care of it. But when you love what you do, you don't even really mind that, you know, and my family understands. They get it. Yeah. And you've created such a great life for yourself. I can relate because I did the same thing. I just love being around my wife and my kids and I've made sure that being an entrepreneur that I schedule my day accordingly and you and I have very similar schedules. I did start my fitness career though as a personal trainer at Lifetime Fitness in Plano, Texas. So I do like that gym. No way. Yeah, yeah, it's a, it's a cool place. Very cool. But yeah, I do start my mornings in meditation here at the house, you know, in silence when everybody's still asleep around the same time. 
and then I'll go straight to the gym and I do most of my scripture reading while I'm on the treadmill. Oh, man. Yeah, that warms me up for my workout. And like you, my workouts at my age are probably 45 minutes and then it's on to the day. But it seems like you've created a, a very balanced life for yourself. What got you to this point? What does your journey look like? Have you always had that goal in mind of where you are now? Or is there something that led you to it? Yeah, I can't say I've always had it. When I look back to my younger self, what I have always had is I've always had a belief that I could really kind of accomplish anything. I had that mindset. But here's the key. I've always believed that anybody can, but I've always believed that most people don't believe they can. I believe that most people, at least the people that I've been around, and I'm talking about people that I love, you know, friends and family. I think there's a lot of people who just think, oh, I could never do that. A lot of people categorize themselves, you know, oh, I'm not that type of person. I'm not a disciplined person. That's not me. And that always just, you know, makes me sad to hear because I don't believe that that's the case for anybody. I believe we're all limitless. It's just, first of all, you have to believe it. You have to believe that you really are capable of doing anything. Without that belief, you could spend all the time you want trying to learn something, trying to get better at something, but you got to have the belief first and then you got to work at it. You know, most things are not going to come just naturally to you. You got to really put a lot of time into it. So anyway, but so I did have that belief. The perfect example would be when getting signed to Columbia Records, you know, when I was trying to make it in the music business, you know, just like hustling in this South Jersey, Philadelphia area, trying to get my music on. My friends loved it. They were proud of me and everything, but they also teased me a lot. And they'd be like, oh, Adam's going to be the next Marky Mark. Like, what makes you think you're going to be the next Marky Mark? You know, having, having fun at my expense. <laughs> and then when I got signed by, you know, Sony, Columbia, and Russell and everything, and I mean, my friends were really happy for me, but I think it was an eye-opener. And I really believed that could happen. And guess what? It did happen. I always had that. Here's what I didn't have. I didn't used to have really a spiritual anchor to who I was. I didn't really understand what I was, who I was. I just thought I was like everybody else. I just thought I was this person just going through life trying to get what I want, right? I mean, I think that's what it all boils down to is most of us are out here trying to get what we want or what it really is, is, and I don't mean to get deep and spiritual here, but Bring it. what most people are really doing is trying to categorize and organize life so that they're okay. Because really what we're all at some point really uncomfortable with is this uncertainty. And I talked about the wave of creation. There's this massive wave of creation, right? That is just literally unfolding moment to moment to moment. And human beings tend to want to be able to explain everything. Why is this the way that it is? What's going to happen? You know, everybody wants to predict and why is it the way it is? Well, life can't really be explained because if you ask me why this current moment right now that we're have that we're sharing, right? Wh why is this moment happening? Why am I on this podcast? Why are you and I speaking? The most brilliant scientist in the world can never explain that to you because the truth is there are billions of years now of cause and effect, actions and reactions that have led to this moment. And nobody can explain everything that led up to this moment. It's impossible, right? So my point is there's a lot of uncertainty. Most humans don't like that. It makes them very uncomfortable that they can't predict what's going to happen. So what they do 
And I used to do this myself, and I still do this. I'm not trying to say that I don't fall into this trap myself. I just catch myself pretty quickly. But what we do is we say, oh, I'm not comfortable with this uncertainty. So let me try to categorize everything and make it just right so that I feel like if I have this, I'll be okay. Maybe I need this new car or this new house or this person. Maybe if I was married to this person, that'll make everything okay. I'll feel so much better, and then I'll have kids, and then this job would be perfect. If I get this job, everything will be okay. I'll never have to worry about everything again. People do it with everything. For me, it was always clothes. I start feeling nervous about something like the way life is going. And I'm like, if I had that jacket, life will be okay. I'll be okay if I go get that jacket. You know, so everybody's got different things. That's why people get addicted to things. Shopping, drugs, their phone, whatever it is. It's all about escaping the uncertainty of this present moment. So what I learned along the way from some incredible teachers, some incredible books. There's so many resources, I could never name them all. But probably in my 30s is when I started to realize that I don't need to escape from this present moment. I'm never going to be able to shut down that part of me that gets very uncomfortable with uncertainty. You can't just push it down. It's just going to come up that much stronger. You just have to be okay with it. That's what I've learned through all of this is You don't have to stop having these feelings of anxiety or uncertainty or or fear. People try to stop doing that. They try all these like crazy methods. They try to shut down so that they're okay inside because they're not going to let the fear be there. No, that's that's crazy. You're fighting yourself. You don't try to shut it down. You just say, okay, I'm okay with it. Okay, mind, do your thing. You know, be anxious, uh, you know, be depressed, whatever. I'm just going to watch that and realize that's not me. I'm the awareness, right? I'm this inner awareness. That's just watching that take place. And when you can do that and say, I'm going to focus my attention on this moment right here, man, you are free and your life changes. And that's when my whole life changed, you know, and it got stronger and stronger. And then in the last year or two, it's become really strong. And now my life is devoted to trying to teach people how to live this way and specifically trying to teach impact executives and entrepreneurs how to live this way. Because the people that are trying to change the world and really make it a better place, if I can help them perform 10% better or 20% better on their health and their performance, they're going to have a huge impact on the world. And then I did my part. I helped make them more effective and they're helping all of us, if that makes any sense. It makes perfect sense. And uh, I think I can kind of simplify that we have generations that are coming up that really need to learn how to live in the moment. I love the way you said that because that's something that we need to focus on, focus on what's in front of us, right? Because in this day and age, while social media has helped a lot of businesses and people grow, it's also caused a lot of destruction with self-expectations. Specifically, younger generations are looking at people on Instagram, on TikTok, and saying, why can't I live like that? Why can't I be that person? Why am I not taking a picture in front of a Lamborghini, even though they don't know that that car doesn't belong to them, and it's part of the 90% that like to showboat what they don't have because, of course, they're living outside of their inner self, too. But if we could teach the generations coming up, teaching them how to live in the moment, that could change the world for everyone. So I I love what you're doing. I want to go back to a question that you brought up a little earlier. How do you keep yourself disciplined? How do you not eat the bad foods or do any of that? What keeps you focused all day long to make sure you make the right decisions? That's the question that I wish everyone would ask me, as opposed to what are you eating? What do you do for exercise? That question you just asked is so important. I'm so glad you asked it. First of all, again, some people believe, oh, you're either born disciplined or you're not. 
that's BS. I was not born disciplined at all. And I can tell you that when I was a, a teenager and when I was in the Navy, even the, I mean, the, the Navy improved my discipline and my willpower. That's one of the reasons I went in. But when I came out, I mean, you know, look, I've never been someone who just had this incredible willpower and, and discipline. It was taught. I learned it. There's a science called behavioral science. You know this. Mm -hmm. And there are experts, like there's a professor out at Stanford named B.J. Fogg, who wrote a book called Tiny Habits. I read the book Tiny Habits. And then I read a book called Atomic Habits, a very well-known New York Times bestseller by James Clear. And James Clear, to his credit, gave a lot of credit to B.J. Fogg. But I really love what James Clear did. You know, James Clear took the lessons from Tiny Habits and put them into a, a packaging and created new paradigms as well that really spoke to me. Both books were great. Atomic Habits really set me, though, on a path where I said, if I follow what I'm reading here in this book, and the most important thing is, if I just start with one small habit at a time, don't try to bite off a huge chunk just one small habit at a time, I can build something really special here. And over time, over years, I can become this this incredibly disciplined person. That's what happened. After I finished Atomic Habits, and the timing couldn't have been more perfect. When I finished Atomic Habits was probably right around the time that I got diagnosed with diabetes when I was 51. And that's when I needed all this willpower and discipline because I was sitting in my endocrinologist's office he said, your A1C level 7.2, we need to starch on insulin, either long acting or short acting. So he put the, the freestyle Libre, the continuous glucose monitor in my arm. And that was the plan. You're coming back in two weeks. And that's when that discipline, that willpower, that belief kicked in. And I never had to take any medication. I never had to take any insulin. I luckily was able to persuade my endocrinologist to give me a trial period. He did. And and I, I discovered this way of eating. I'm not going to eat sugar. I'm barely going to eat any carbs. And I'm going to find a way to reverse my A1C levels to a non-diabetic level, which I did. And it's been three years now. So I sit down at the table when there's a huge birthday cake, when everybody's eating pasta, pizza, all the stuff that I can't eat. I want to be there. I don't want to run from it. I want to be able to sit there and say, I can handle this. And plus, I love what I eat. I get to eat cheeseburgers, steak, chicken, fish. I love egg. I'm a big egg guy. You know, so all kinds of, you know, omelets and bacon and I eat all kinds of fun stuff. I, I can't drink beer or wine because of the sugar, but man, I sit down with everybody and I got my tequila. I got my Casamigos or I got my bourbon. I can do all that. So I try to explain that to people, especially people that are newly diagnosed with like diabetes and they're asking me my advice. I'm like, this isn't a death sentence and it's not a no fun sentence either. You can avoid medication altogether and still have a really fun lifestyle. You just got to be willing to figure out how to do it, right? You got to think of yourself like a scientist. I think of myself as a scientist. I'll never be done. I will never find the perfect diet or the perfect workout. There's no such thing. I'm constantly evolving, trying to make it better, more fun, more interesting, get better results. I tell people I have one of the few products, let's call it, that actually gets more valuable as I get older because I'm in the anti-aging space. So while it seems pretty valuable and pretty cool that I look the way I do at almost 55, if I look like this or even better when I'm 60 or 65, that's way more valuable, right? So the older I get, the more valuable the product gets. So that's how I look at it. And you will, you have that mindset. 
You know, and that's one of the things that really drew me closer to you was when you started posting and creating blogs about food as medicine, because mm. I, I have a similar story that I went through back in July of 2019. It was my son's birthday. After everyone had gone to sleep, I had to go to the emergency room because I thought I was having a heart attack. I had been bloated for about two weeks to that point, and my stomach was actually going into failure. The ER doctors told me that, hey, your stomach's failing. They gave me a, a medication called Reglan, R-E-G-L-A-N, which contracts the muscles and it helps your stomach digest food. And they said, there's nothing else we can do for you. You're going to have to go see your GI. Well, as soon as eight o'clock hit, I call my GI and he couldn't get me in until November. And so then I start freaking out because I didn't want to take medication for months and then also have the possibility of the medication not working. And so I did the same thing. I just started researching. I backed everything out, quit eating sugar, carbs. I just went straight for the earth. If, if we grow it or can kill it, I'm going to eat it, right? Yeah. Fast forward to November, I went in and had an endoscopy and a colonoscopy both done. And the GI said, man, we don't see anything wrong. I don't know if anything ever happened. What's going on? I go, well, you have the notes there from the ER doctor. <laughs> He's like, what happened? And I said, well, this is what I did. And so he just gave me a high five and he said, man, a lot of people don't know that food is medicine. And I was like, yeah, amen. And so to your point, during that time, my wife and I started figuring out how to make tacos and cheeseburgers, all gluten-free, 100% organic, and didn't even skip a beat. You know, we looked a lot better and felt a lot better, but we're still able to eat some of the same foods that we still enjoyed. And so, so I love that point that you made, and that's a, a great process and a great great thing to take your clients through. Thank you. I appreciate it. And, you know, you, you made me think of something when you said that you stopped eating sugar and you also stopped eating carbs, right? You know, like a keto type of diet. There's so many myths and misconceptions out there. And I feel like I constantly need to bust them. It's one of the things I do when I'm first speaking with someone who's interested in, you know, possibly being coached by me is I want to get in their head. What are your perceptions? Because a lot of people have really bad misperceptions. One of them is that you need a lot of carbs if you're working out. People are shocked when they find out, I eat about 30 grams of carbs per day. Not net carbs, total carbs. Mm -hmm. Total carbs per day is about 30 grams. When people hear that, they're like, don't you bonk at the end of the day? You know, like, how do you have energy? Don't you feel like you're going to, you know, do you get tired? Do you feel faint? But the people who know me and are around me, they know. I mean, I swim usually twice a day. I usually go back later in the evening and I'll swim again. So I'm swimming twice. I'm working out. And when my young niece and nephew are over here, I'm out there throwing the football. I'm on the beach, constantly out there surfing, paddleboarding. I'm always on the go on 30 grams of carbs a day. And I never feel like I'm going to bonk. And then when I go to bed, I sleep like a baby, right? But until I do, I got all the energy in the world. So again, misperception. Look, if you're an endurance athlete like a Michael Phelps, or certainly if you're like a super marathoner or something, yeah, obviously those guys need to eat a ton of carbs because they are doing extreme exertion. And I'm sure if they don't have a lot of carbs, that's not going to end well. But if you're working out normally and have a normal active lifestyle, you can go keto, you can do 30 grams of carbs. And people also say keto is unsustainable. You know, you could do keto, but you can't do it for a long time. I've been doing it for three years. What people really mean is you can't do it for a long time because your willpower is not going to let you do it for a long time. And the last myth for more of the people that are into not bodybuilding, but you know, physical fitness is I've heard people say you can't have really low body fat percentage for a long time. It's not healthy. Ever since I went keto, when I got diagnosed with diabetes, over a period of a few months, I dropped from 15% body fat, which was my normal, to six. 
and I've maintained 6% body fat for the last three years. I don't try to be 6% body fat. It's just what I am. You know, I, I like to say if I was a UFC fighter, I'd be walking around at my fighting weight 24 hours a day. I would never have to cut weight. But forget about what I look like. My family practice doctor who sees me once a year for a physical said I'm the healthiest patient he's got at any age. I mean, like my blood pressure is 100 over 60. My resting heart rate's 47. My LDL cholesterol is below 100. That's the bad cholesterol. My good cholesterol, my HDL cholesterol is like 113. Across the board, my numbers are fantastic. I'm on no medications. I say all that not to brag, but just to say you can be keto, you can be 6% body fat, you can eat 30 grams of carbs per day and still be completely healthy. And the most important thing, because I'm all about sustainability, it's sustainable. It's sustainable for the rest of your life. Not only is it sustainable, you will live longer if you live this way than if you live the, I hate to say it, but the, you know, the normally prescribed way, which is the basic food groups. You know, I, I think a lot of nutritionists tell their people to eat the same amount of carbs that they do protein. That's not healthy. I'm sorry, that is not healthy. And if you look at you know the average person and where they are today compared to where they used to be, where health is going, all the people that are on medications, we're not going in a good direction. So that's why I try to bust these myths because look, anybody can say anything they want. And I, I'm totally aware of that. And there's going to be people who are going to listen to this podcast and say, he says it, doesn't mean it's true. The beautiful thing about being the co-founder of a health tech company, which I am, and having this continuous glucose monitor in my arm is that I've got so much data. We've got data from the Indian Institute of Technology. They flew me to India. They ran me through a week's full of tests out in India like I was a $6 million man. I mean, they tested me on everything. What's, what's it called? The, uh, the, the VO2. The VO2 max. Yeah, I did the VO2 max test. We did every test you could imagine. And we've got all the data. That shows, I mean, well, one of the scientists, one of the top scientists at Indian Institute of Technology, Madras, said, this is the youngest 53-year-old on the planet. So we went and ran with it. So I call myself the fittest, the youngest, the healthiest, you know, 53-year-old on the planet. But the point is, there's data to back all this up. I don't want anybody to take my word for it. We love showing the data. I think it's great. That's amazing. And, and really quick, while we're talking about macros and fitness, yeah. what's your take on protein? Because, you know, people will say you got to have one to two grams of protein per body weight. Is that a myth? No, that's actually, I think, applicable. So I always heard one gram of protein per pound of body weight. I weigh 150. I was taking um, about 150 grams of protein a day. And a nutritionist who I know and really respect a lot, and I know that she knows me and my circumstances and everything about me and everything. And she saw me one day and she's like, you know, you should be probably getting 200 grams of protein. She's like, a person who doesn't work out or works out at a normal level, let's say, should probably get one gram of protein per pound of body weight. It's a good number, you know? And believe me, when I was getting that, I was very healthy. So it's not like I, I wasn't healthy. But her point was, and I agree with her now, is if you're working out at pretty extreme levels, you know, you know, I'm putting a lot of time in there working out and everything, um, then you can definitely handle some more protein. You probably need some more protein. I think I felt just as healthy when I was getting 150 grams of protein as I do now. I don't, I can't say for sure, but I definitely look better. I mean, and I looked good before, but I mean, I've noticed a, a, an even better difference in the way I look. And I would say I've noticed probably a difference in, in the way I feel and my energy levels now that I'm getting 200 grams of protein. So, you know, but again, you experiment, you know, it's like I tried it. If I would have felt exactly the same or not as good, 
I would have went back to 150 grams. There's nothing wrong with, we should all experiment. People are afraid to experiment. They just want to take their, their doctors or their nutritionists word for everything and, and just be kind of helpless and say, oh, I, I'll just believe what you tell me and I'll just do whatever you say. That's, that's not necessary. And, and believe me, I am not telling you not to listen to your doctors, your nutritionists. I listen to my doctor, all my doctors. I listen to my nutritionist, but I also experiment. You know, I mean, I, I really think that people should take a more active role and trust themselves to kind of see what, see what's out there, you know, learn for yourself. Right. I agree completely. Uh, kind of reminds me of that, that food diagram we saw growing up in school that had like poultry and bread and produce and all that fun stuff. And everybody thought that was gospel. Yeah. So how about the family? When you started your journey, your wife, kiddos, did everybody jump on board or was there any pushback or are you guys all doing it together? There was complete support. You know, I'm fortunate to have a wife and I have a wife and two daughters. My daughters are about to turn 21 and about to turn 18. So a couple big birthdays coming nice. up. And, um, uh, well, let me start with my wife. Uh, you know, my wife is, um, I can't imagine a more supportive person. So I've been extremely, extremely lucky. She's the cook in the family. Now, I'm pretty self-sufficient until dinner time. Like I make all my own food until dinner time. You know, protein shakes, egg white omelets, uh, things like that. I can handle all that, but I don't want to just eat the same exact thing every day. So dinner is where I get my variety. Because other than that, I do eat the same exact thing most days, right? But my wife's an amazing cook, and when this happened, when I was diagnosed, she really started switching the way that she cooked. Not completely. So to answer the second part of your question. It's not like everybody had to jump on board. My, my kids don't eat keto. My wife doesn't even eat keto, but she's definitely moved in that direction. My wife eats a lot less carbs than she used to, a lot less sugar, and a lot more protein. My kids eat what they want, you know, and they're at an age where half the time they're not eating the dinner that mom made anyway because they're doing their own thing. But, you know, I like to think that my diet, my wife's diet are, are principles have rubbed off on our kids a bit, but you know, look, I, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to BS you. You know, my, my kids eat plenty of junk, probably as much junk as, 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 as most other kids. And they should, I did when I was their age too. I try not to really preach to my kids too much because they're going to learn the same way that I learned, you know, but hopefully some of what they see and hear does rub off on them. I like to think, but yeah. So anyway, it's been nothing but support, but I'm the only one in my house that's uh, at the level that I'm at. Let's put it that way. That's great. And and it's great to be that example too, because you're right. Even though the kids are going to eat what they want, eventually they're going to say, oh, you know what? Dad did this for a reason and, and this really feels right. So that's cool. Yeah. Some monumental birthdays, 18, 21 and 55. Wow. This is yeah, a, this yeah. Is, this is a good year. And my wife just turned 55 and, and Ray, you follow me on Facebook. So you've probably seen a couple of pics. I like to put pictures of my wife up there because she's like Mrs. Limitless AF. I mean, my wife looks every bit as youthful and healthy and fit as I do. And she's uh, three months older than me. So or four months older than me. So she's, uh, you know, she's doing it, man. And she's an inspiration to me. And, you know, I, I'm, I'm so glad that we can do it as a couple and hopefully maybe inspire other couples that, hey, you can do this together. I love that. And I hate to break it to you, but she looks a lot younger than you. Just saying. <laughs> I, I agree. I agree, man. I agree. <laughs> 
So I, I want to go back to another point you made too. You travel a lot. How, how do you stay focused in the midst of all the noise and craziness going around at the airports and different countries? And how do you stick to your diet, stick to your goals and make sure that you stay focused? Yeah, that's a great question. That's one of the main areas that I coach people in. One of the most common things I hear, especially from like successful executives, those folks generally will say, I do great when I'm home. I don't even need your help when I'm home. When I'm home, I've got my routine. I'm in the gym. I've got control of what I eat and everything. It's when I travel for business, when I go away, that all hell breaks loose, right? You know, I have that first martini and, and then next thing I know, I'm just eating all kinds of junk and getting lousy sleep. And, you know, so that travel really screws people up. I have a few things that I do that I'm happy to share with, with, with your listeners. One thing is, you know, airports are tricky, especially for me. I mean, there's nothing good for me to eat in an airport pretty much, but I shouldn't say that. There are, you know, look, it, if you can find a restaurant at an airport where you can get eggs, if it's before, you know, let's say 11 a.m. or something like that, or if not, one staple I can get almost anywhere is a grilled chicken Caesar salad. That is my safe thing. I, I don't even like to get them unless it's, you know, unless I have to, because, you know, sometimes I have to. So I save it for that. But almost everybody's got a grilled chicken Caesar. You know, it's got almost no carbs, sugar. It's basically just protein, fat, some carbs in the lettuce, right? But, but other than that, you got pretty much protein and fat. And one thing you learn on keto is fat is not a bad thing. Another misperception, right? People are like, oh, I can eat all the carbs that I want, but I can't eat fat. No, you got exactly flipped around the wrong way. You can eat plenty of fat, especially healthy fats, if you're not eating carbs. But anyway, grilled chicken Caesar is a good way to go. Let's say they don't even have that. I'll get a grilled chicken sandwich. I'll get a cheeseburger. I'll just eat that with a fork and a knife without the bun. Am I going to be full? No. I eat like 3,000 calories a day. I need a lot of food. But it's something. You don't have to do it every day. We're talking about if you're in the airport, you're just trying to basically get to where you're going, whether it's your hotel or your home, where you can get some real food, right? And my advice to people, don't eat on the plane. I do long flights sometimes to like Dubai, India, and you don't want to eat that food. I don't care. It's just not prepackaged food like that. Just eat before you leave the airport and eat when you get where you're going. Fasting for 24 hours, not going to kill you. It's actually really good for you. So look at it that way. You could just look at it and say, you know what? I'm not going to eat the food on the plane because I know that's garbage. And I don't even want to tempt myself with what they're going to have in the airport. Fast for 24 hours. That is not an unhealthy thing to do. It's actually good to get your system back on track doing that. The other thing and this has been really helpful to a lot of folks that I coach is let's say that you're, you know, you're going to a meeting. It's going to be a hundred people coming in from the whole mid Atlantic region. You're all staying at the Ritz Carlton and you know, cause there's an agenda, you know, you're going to be eating at this restaurant. Don't wait until you had the martini to decide what you're going to eat. Do a little recon, right? Now that you're in the right frame of mind, you're in the present moment, you're surfing the wave of creation. You know, I don't want to mess up, right? All right, great. Go online and pick out, if I have to eat at this restaurant for breakfast, if I have to eat at this restaurant for lunch, for dinner, whatever, this is what I want to eat. Because they literally will tell you exactly what's in everything, right? Especially at a nice place. You know, figure it all out and put it on your eye calendar and literally set it with an alarm. So that way you remember and you're like, oh yeah, I said I was going to eat this. And plus that'll also bring you back. Even if you've had a couple drinks, yeah. that'll be like, oh, wait a second. Maybe I should slow down on the drinking a little bit too. Otherwise, you know, uh, might not, I might, you know, lose my phone or whatever, you know, but 
my point is, is do some recon and, and think about these things beforehand and prepare. Put some time in ahead of time. I guess that goes counterintuitive to what I said about being in the moment. But if I guess if you're too much in the moment and you're not prepared at all, alcohol takes over, you know, peer pressure. That's another thing. You're at this meeting. Let's say you're a, you're a sales rep and you're there with your manager and your manager's ordering up martinis and your manager says, come on, we're all going to get pizza or you know, we're all getting the lasagna or whatever. Well, peer pressure comes in. You don't want to be the guy that says, oh, well, I'm just going to have a steak or whatever, you know. Some people would feel funny about that. They want to eat what everybody else is eating. So again, take that spontaneity, I guess, out of it and say, no, I already decided. That's right. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get this. And I'm not going to let peer pressure get in the way. And I'm not going to have too many drinks. So you know, hey, maybe to some people, that's not a fun way to live. Maybe that's a little bit too structured, but it works. So if you really care about your health and your performance and improving it, you might have to sacrifice a little bit of that spontaneity and be a little bit more structured. Yeah. Living in the moment though, does require some intentionality because if you were all over the place, then you wouldn't be able to accomplish goals or any of that. Living in the moment's more of a mindset to be able to focus on what's in front of you, you know? And so if, if you go into this meeting with intentionality and your intent is to focus on this food and not get sidetracked by everything else, then I think you're doing the right thing. Yeah, I agree. There's no set formula of I'm, I'm going to be this percent in the moment and I'm going to be this percent prepared and have intentionality. Like I said earlier on, we'll never be a finished product. We are constantly evolving and that's what's beautiful. This is fluid. So being in the moment means knowing when to be intentional. And if you're really in the moment, you'll know when it's time to be intentional and be prepared. And when it's not, you know, that's part of being in the moment. Yeah. And how many times have you changed up an action plan to a goal, right? You're, you know what the end goal is, but there are always adjustments that are made in between. So your goal when you're going to a meeting or a conference could be to make sure you eat right, which is that intentionality. And then you can make adjustments along the way, as long as they're good adjustments. I've got one last question to ask. In, in today's world, many people struggle to find their purpose and direction in life. What is some advice that you would give to our listeners to find help find their purpose and what they're striving to become? That's such an important question. And I want to answer you from the heart. Just speaking from my own experience, finding your purpose goes back to what we were talking about really, really early on here. Finding your purpose starts with kind of going in reverse order. Finding your purpose starts with becoming self-aware Getting, getting kind of quiet inside, shutting down a lot of the noise and the external noise, the anxiety, the thoughts. You know, when I say shutting down the noise, what I really mean is all the thoughts that we carry around with us, the thoughts, the emotions, the urges that are constantly telling us, you should do this, you need this, you should do this. When you can shut that down and quiet down a little bit and figure out why do I have all these thoughts and urges and emotions? Because there's a reason why. And that reason why is there's a part of you that feels like it's not okay and it needs all these things to be okay, right? Get to know that part of you that you've pushed down, that is hiding away, that you have locked away because, you, you, you know, in, in our society, that's weakness, right? You know, you got to keep getting the things you need and, and, and keep achieving, getting the things you need, getting the things you need. That, that's, but to actually coming in, in tune with that person that feels like they're not okay, that part of you that feels like it's not okay, that for some reason is, is you know, in our society is kind of looked at almost as weakness sometimes. It's the exact opposite. But coming in tune with that part of you that's not okay and just, you don't have to figure out why it's not okay. That, that's just more thoughts. It's just sitting with it. Because when you, when you sit with that part of you that's not okay, 
and you allow yourself to be present in the moment with the, the moment that's unfolding, what you realize is that you really are okay. All those thoughts and everything and all those urges, they're not even you. You are okay. This is the part of you that is okay. The part of you that, that's not listening to all of that is the part of you that is okay. The other part is the psyche. The psyche is never going to be okay. That's what psyches are. That's okay. You, so you don't have to make your psyche be okay. You'll never do it. It's futile. You're wasting your energy. Just be okay with the fact that your psyche is not okay. That's all you have to do. And bringing this back to purpose, when you get to that point, then you start living from this place of what do I really want? You know, and, and what you're going to find when you ask that question and you don't have all the anxieties is we all want the same thing. We all, we all want to feel uplifting energy. Okay. Now, uplifting energy to me might be helping the people that I love, you know, and, 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 you know, uplifting energy to someone else, it might be something different, you know, because we all have different, if people that follow the, the Indian uh, teachings, you know, samskaras, we all have these, these scars that we carry around from, from uh, events that have happened in our life. So, you know, based on your samskaras, what gives you energy might be something that being a UFC fighter, you know, that might seem really violent to other people, but to you, it gives you this uplifting energy. You're not trying to hurt anybody, it gives, but it gives you this uplifting energy. That's fine. That's fine. Do that. That's your purpose, right? For a lot of us, though, you know, hopefully for a lot of us, our purpose, when we really come down to it, it's going to be something that helps people. You know, the, the people that I'm surrounded with, we're all in the sustainability space. We're all trying to help businesses, industries, and individuals live more sustainable lives so that we live on a more sustainable planet. We're trying to decarbonize our planet. We didn't really get into that in this conversation. It could be a whole different podcast because it's pretty crazy. But, you know, we're, we're literally working to help some of the, the, the most incredible companies on the planet to decarbonize and, and literally pull carbon from the atmosphere, make this world a better place. That's our purpose, you know? And, and so to answer your question, I, I, I think it's getting quiet inside, going in reverse shutting down the noise and finding your purpose. I can't tell you what your purpose would be. You know, like some people would try to tell you, this is what your purpose should be. That's, that's BS. You know, I can't tell you what your purpose is. Nobody can tell you what your purpose is. You, most people don't even know what their own purpose is. How can somebody else tell you what your purpose is? It's something you need to discover for yourself. And the only way you're going to do it is by becoming quiet, surfing this wave of creation, as I like to call it, becoming a, becoming a spirit surfer and, uh, and really getting into the present moment. And it will present itself to you. You will know, and you will never have to try. No effort has to go into it. You won't have to, you know, it, it will just present itself to you. But you got to be awake enough and aware enough to, to catch that opportunity, right? How many people are sleepwalking through life right now on their phones? I always tell people, they're walking through life on their phone or on, and, and they're missing countless opportunities that could be changing their lives, making the world a better place because they're not even looking up. How are you going how, how to see the opportunity if you're not looking up? You see somebody looking at you and then you start a conversation. Next thing you know, you had this life-changing conversation. You're doing business together and, and you're making an impact. If you were looking down, you'd have never saw that they were looking at you. You never had the conversation. I find that amazing how how accurate that is that so many people are looking at this phone this object missing they're missing life they're missing opportunity 
you know, missing an opportunity to catch the wave of creation, right? Which, which I love that, that, that phrase. I really like it a lot. And uh, I want to hear more about the decarbonation. So we're going to have to schedule a second interview. Yeah. Now, if our listeners wanted to get to know more about you and services that you provide, is there a website or email that they can go to? Yes. Go to my LinkedIn profile. LinkedIn is where I have, you know, a really clear, clear, I give a really clear picture on who I am, what I do. Follow me there. Uh, easiest way to find me is just, it's, it's linkedin.com slash in, I-N, slash Adam Fiore. Um, or you could just search by my name, Adam Fiore, and you'll, you'll find me on, uh, on LinkedIn. There's a website for Limitless AF limitlessaf.tech. For someone who wants to coach with me, I wouldn't necessarily recommend going there. The, the website is for the health tech company. The health tech company, we really are early stage, still working on the launch. So, you know, that's not a place where I'm really sending folks unless they're interested. You know, if they're either a potential investor, sponsor, partner who wants to partner with Limitless AF, the Indian Institute of Technology, and what we're doing around health tech, fantastic. You know, it's a, it's a very comprehensive website. But for folks who just really want, are interested in potentially coaching with me, want to learn more about it, I would say just send me a message on LinkedIn or send me an email. And my email is adam at limitlessaf.tech. Send me an email there. It's a real simple process. You know, I don't have, uh, I don't use Calendly and, and have some fancy system for how you pay me and everything. We figure it out as we go along. You know, if, if, if let me find out about you, make sure I can help you. If you're interested, then, you know, we'll set up a time and day that works for you. We'll set up an appointment. You can Venmo me. It's really, really, it's really simple and informal the way that we do it. That's awesome. And we'll also include your contact information uh, to the show notes. That way, if you're listening and you want to get in touch with Adam, just click on the link. We thank you so much for being a part of our show today, Adam. It's been a great time. Dude, Ray, it's been such an honor, man. Balanced Purpose Podcast was created and hosted by me, Ray Trevino, and is produced and edited by Nick Galtney. Thank you for tuning in. We hope you've enjoyed this episode. Check us out at balancedpurposepodcast.com and on Instagram at balancedpurposepodcast. Remember, finding your purpose is a journey, not a destination. And it takes time and effort to achieve balance. Make it a great day.